just some guy got diarrhea and just shot himself yeah. to death or something. Like, you know, <laughs> just you know, back then, like I mean, you could probably catch a common cold and that could be the end of it. So you could catch a common cold and shit yourself to death as well. You could, you could, you know, yeah. there's lots of worse ways to go. Hello everyone and welcome to the Council of Elrond, your weekly podcast on all things Lord of the Rings and Professor Tolkien. On the podcast today, we're going to be talking about the Kings of Gondor and how their line was broken. We'll also look at a very cool and interesting story from the appendices from the Lord of the Rings, The Return of the King. And I'm joined as usual by my brother and co-host Dave. Welcome Dave. How are you doing? How are you getting on? Good now. It's uh, good to be back. This is our first time recording separately again, so it's kind of sad. Do you miss sad me? Times. Yeah, miss mm, your touch. Exactly. Miss your musk. <laughs> <laughs> miss your smell. Uh, yeah, so uh, we're back to reality now, back to our normal ways of uh, podcasting remotely, which is mm, less fun, I suppose, but you know, mm. you do what you gotta do. And as always, guys, please check out our socials. Any of our links are in our podcast description. Uh, go check out our YouTube channel and our Patreon and thanks to all of our members there and, and a special thanks to Jack Knightley. But let's get into today's podcast. The line of kings failed. The white tree withered. The rule of Gondor was given over to lesser men. So um, today's podcast, as I said, we're going to be talking about the kings of Gondor, the old kings and all these types of things. But what I want to start off with is um, I'm sure most of people, most people here will have seen the recent Rings of Power series and maybe you have heard the whole uh, ordeal or the whole uh, malarkey about what's going on with the rights or what went on with the rights. And uh, I think a lot of us figured out that they were going to be using the notes from the appendices from the Lord of the Rings. Uh, that was, they didn't have the rights to Silmarillion, they didn't have rights to certain books. So they were going to be getting all of their second age info from there, from the appendices. So I wanted to remind myself what stories they could possibly tell. So this is back before the series started. I went back, I dug out my my copy of The Return of the King, and I went back and I read the appendices, which I hadn't read for ages. So there were plenty of interesting stories there that I had completely forgotten about. But um, I'd like to start by asking you, Dave, what information do you have about the kings of Gondor? Do you know anything about, uh, from, well, from the Lord of the Rings, from either the books or the movies, what can you tell me about them? Sure, that's that's why I'm here in this podcast to learn <laughs> to learn from you. What can I? Well, what what do you want to know about them? Just Please, very basic, very basic things. What well, do we know we about have, the kings of Gondor, for example? Right. Well, we have Aragorn, who would be the most recent king, and he would. There, there hasn't been a king for many an era before Aragorn was around, and sure. before him, and why not? I. Because that line was broken. <laughs> All right, okay. okay. <laughs> um, Are you sure that the blade wasn't broken? The line was broken. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, the line of kings was broken. So there just hasn't been kings in Gondor for a long, long time. So it's been ruled by the stewards of Gondor, hmm. I, I suppose. And they were the protectors of the, the throne. And they were kind of the acting rulers of, of Gondor and Arnor. Um, Very good. Well done. Yes, okay. Yeah, so... Um, so who would have been the last king before that? I believe it would have had to have been... Was it Isildur? Was the last king before Aragorn? No, no. No, 
no, no, no. All right, okay. No, that, right. Was, that was way off. Right. Sure. Yeah. Okay, um, so Isildur <laughs> would have been uh, basically one of the, like, the first king, I suppose. Uh, oh, right, okay. Because <laughs> they found it. Anyway, we'll get into that. That's but, right, yeah. Yeah, yeah so right. it was, it, he, so Aragorn does come, uh, he is a descendant of Isildur. But don't worry, we'll get into all that stuff. And by the end mm. of this podcast, hopefully you'll all be experts on this whole area. So now, if you just watch the Lord of the Rings movies, for example, you'll probably figure out that the line of kings was broken at some point and that the stewards had taken over and we get to see uh, Denethor II in the movies and he does a great... Uh, John Noble, isn't it? Is that his name? Mm-hmm. He does a yeah, fantastic Noble. job uh, representing, well, a, a type of Denethor. I really enjoyed his performance, at least. Yeah. But we don't really learn too much more. Uh, so how or like when did the kings stop ruling and why did the stewards take over and what happened to all the kings and these are questions questions that need answering questions basically <laughs> so um riddles in the dark riddles in the dark <laughs> so one of the stories from the appendices explains exactly how the line of the kings uh, ended and i'm going to tell you a little story about the last king of gondor who was a guy mm. called king Ernur. And uh, so we're going to have a little bit of a story time today. And for dramatic effect, I'm going to start at the end of the story and tell you all about King Ernor's demise and how he met his doom. So nice. um, So it's going to be like flashback to five months earlier. Exactly. Exactly. It's good. Ah, Yeah, yeah, exactly. We're going to, I don't know uh, what kind of movie directors are famous for shooting in this type of style. But um, yeah, uh, there's a lot of them out there. But, um, because I remember when I was reading, I remember I was on a plane months ago reading through the appendices of the Rings and I was exhausted and I was just tired and I was reading this story and it was one of those times where you're reading something and just the information is not really going in. And then I remember I came to the end of the story about him and something really caught my attention. I was like, whoa, hang on a minute. I need to go back and read all of this again because we find out that he, he eventually died because he marched on Minas Morgul uh, with a very small company and he took on the Witch King in one-to-one combat. And then oh, nice. after that, uh, we don't actually hear too much about how it ended, but basically him and his company were never seen again. So I remember just being like, that's a pretty badass way to go. I mean, if you're going to be the king and you just decide that you're going to march up to the Witch King. So the Witch King had sent him a challenge to single combat and he accepted the challenge and he rode off with his King's Guard. Uh, to take on the most evil and most feared, uh, well, one of the most evil and fear-invoking beings uh, ever to stain Middle-earth, I suppose. (laughs) So um, I thought that was really, really cool. Now, we don't actually, as I said, we don't get too many details, unfortunately. uh, So it's unknown if he actually fought the Witch King in a fair trial or if there was possibly some foul play involved. Like, I mean, after all, it was the Witch King we're talking about, so... He could have ambushed the king upon his arrival or cheated in any sort of a way. Um, All that we know is that they were never seen again, the king and his company. So we can assume that this king, Aernor, was a total badass and completely fearless uh, if he was brave enough to challenge or to take on this challenge against the witch king. So it's a pretty cool way for the Lion of the Kings to be broken. I'm sure you'd agree. And Mm -hmm. I mean, at least it was broken in this like honorable and courageous way. I mean... Can you imagine they were like, how did the Lion Kings break? And it was like, oh, just some guy got diarrhea and just shot himself to death or something. (laughs) Just, you know, back then, like, I mean, you could probably catch a common cold and that could be the end of it. So you could catch a common cold and shit yourself to death as well. You could, you could, you know, there's lots of worse ways to go. 
So that was like um, how people, that was like natural causes back then, just shitting yourself to death. Oh, yeah. It was just like, oh, it was a bit ruddy today. I think I'll uh, get, better get my affairs in order. <laughs> so uh, it's also pretty cool when you think about, about it that like the Witch King, he's this guy that we meet in the Lord of the Rings and he's trying to stop uh, the return of the king. He's trying to stop Aragorn hmm. returning as king. And he is the one who broke that line centuries before like uh, i think it's like 800 no more than that like a, a couple of thousand years before he's the same dude uh so wow yeah it's cool and a little side note is that we're also going to learn a little bit more about the witch king today so kind of like his origin story well maybe not his origin story but like you know so uh, this is like modern filmmaking where we have the like little side the end of the movie and then we have like the like five months earlier or 800 years earlier or whatever and now we're having also like a prequel with the witch king and his a origin of, story a bit of a prequel like, how he became the witch king not exactly his origin was story bitten, but, was he but, bitten by a witch <laughs> <laughs> it's more like before he was the leading member of the ring rates the, the famous group ah. that we see like it's kind of like seeing him off on his on his own like a young witch king just doing his thing um yeah. kind of like imagine if you're in the like you know the 60s and you're listening to, to the rat pack and you're like geez these guys are good who's this guy frank sinatra and people are like whoa mm. he had a whole career before like, yeah I mean, you need to go and check out his earlier stuff and it's like whoa are you gonna make me really like the witch king though is it gonna be one of those things where it's like i'm gonna feel emotions ah, for the bad guy no you're just gonna be well you're just gonna think he was you know it's just gonna build on already what we know about him and expand his you know flesh out his story a little bit i suppose even mm. though he had no flesh but anyway um <laughs> feast on his flesh. <laughs> so who was this dude king Aaron, or i suppose that's the question and how did all this lead to the stewards taking over the rule of gondor well, mm. in order to get to that, we should first explain a couple of things about the kingdoms of Gondor and, as you rightly said, and Arnor. A lot of people don't know from just watching the movies, for example, a lot of people don't know much about the kingdom of Arnor at all. And it's just Gondor is the main focus. Um, so how were these kingdoms created and by whom, Dave? If I throw that question over to you. Uh, okay, so yeah, I was completely wrong saying Isildur. Isildur started the line of kings in Gondor and his brother started them in Arnor? No? You're very okay. close. You're what? close. What about... What about... Mm. Um, I know we have... We have Minas Ithil and Minas Arnor, which An is like, Anor, yes. Also, Anor, there's... Sorry. Yeah, so there's Minas Ithil and there's Minas Anor and Minas Anor sounds very much like Arnor. Yeah. So... That's a little bit very confusing. Con confusing. Yes. So and Minas Ithil was like Isildur's um, home at first, because that is like the, what is Minas? Tower of the Moon, which is like Isildur's name. Sure. And then Minas Anor is like Tower of the Sun, which would be um, like Anarion. And his name means Son of Sun or something like that. Right? S uh, he is S Son of Sun. Yes. yes. Son, of son of Sun and Son of the Moon, which would be uh, an Aryan and a Sildor. So, yeah. So what was the question again? <laughs> right. <laughs> I'll, I'll clear that stuff up again anyway in, in, a, in a minute or two. But um, basically, uh, who was the king before Isildur, Dave? I suppose that might help you. I assume his father, Elendil. So yeah. what did he found? Oh, God. Yeah, so they all basically escaped from Numenor when it was being destroyed. And, well, one of them found Gondor and the other found um, Arnor. So I don't know which one was which. 
Yeah, so basically Arnor, the kingdom of Arnor, was probably the greater of the two initially, and that was founded by Elendil, who was right. the, uh, the high king. And that was at the and that's end like in of the, the second age. Uh, yes, exactly. That's up. Uh, that's up um, uh, northwest. northwest. So, yeah. and then also Anarion and Elendil, the two sons, they together uh, they founded Gondor. And Narion Gondor, and yeah. What did I say? <laughs> Elendil. Did I, oh, sorry. Excuse me. So, Isildur and Anarion, the two brothers, Isildur being the elder, uh, founded Gondor, and Gondor was ruled jointly by both of these guys, by both Isildur and Anarion. But yeah. Elendil, as the high king. He was still the ruler of both regions, and he ruled from Arnor in the north. So, cool. kind of like being, you know, the the high king, and then being like lower level kings, or being kind of like, you know, I don't know, prime ministers or something there of Gondor. <laughs> and it's cool if you look at the map, you'll see that. Uh, what was the old capital of Gondor, Dave? Do you remember? Uh, the old capital was mm. Osgiliath. Correct. Exactly. Yeah. You've got okay. Osgiliath. That was the that was where the kings resided, basically. Yeah. So what what happened was, if you look at the map, you'll see Osgiliath is at one point, and then on either side, both sides, mm. there's these other little small uh, cities. One of them was, as you rightly said, Minas Ithil and Minas Anor, and mm. that's where uh, Isildur and Anarion lived. They each lived in one of these cities, and then they would come to Osgiliath, and in the main hall, there were two thrones sitting beside each other. One representing right. Minas Ithil and one representing Minas Honor. And so they would both sit there and they would, you know, just carry out their kingly duties. They'd go there for, you know, uh, press conferences and, you know, uh, things like that. <laughs> Chair meetings and uh, board meetings. Interviews like, with Piers Morgan. Yeah, they were like, come on, okay, we've got our press duties, we've got our media stuff going on. So <laughs> that's where, that's what they would do there. So Arnor, as you said as well, was up north and uh, northwest. And it was situated beside the elven kingdom of Linden. So Elendil would have had dealings with Gilgalad as he was an elf friend. And it was a very expansive kingdom. However, it stretched all the way from the Grey Havens on the coast over to near Rivendell. So just for reference as well, the Shire was like smack bang in the middle of Arnor. Um, mm. So if you think of the typical map, uh, you'll see Mordor in the, the bottom right corner in the southeast and Linden up in the northwest. So Arnor is just to the right of Linden and Gondor is just to the left of Mordor down in the south. And mm -hmm. the northern borders of Arnor, so it's up there near the, near the north, and its northern borders are bordering Angmar, which is famous for what reason? For the Witch King. This exactly. Where he, he's from. Kind His of. full title is the Witch King of Angmar. Of Angmar. And uh, so we know that that's not the most pleasant of places as well. It's a bit of a... Bit of a spooky, spooky spot, I suppose. Yeah, it's kind of like Elephant Graveyard from The Lion King, you know? Yeah. Very scary. So That's exactly so, how I would imagine it, actually. Exactly. Um, so anyway, after so Isildur becomes the king of both Gondor and Arnor after the death of his father in the Battle of the Last Alliance. And also his brother, Anarion, also dies in the same battle. And he intended to return to Arnor in the north and to leave Anarion's son, uh, Meneldil to rule Gondor in the south uh, after he kind of mentored him for a long period of time he uh, so he was like look you take over Gondor I'll go back to Arnor and I'll do what my father did and I'll rule both from there and you can kind of just be like kind of my you know sub ruler there and we see that in the Fellowship of the Ring Isildur gets attacked by orcs and that leads to his death this actually mm. happened when Isildur was leaving Gondor and he was heading to Arnor to rule from there yeah. And he had three sons who were with him, 
and two of his sons were killed in this attack as well. So then Isildur's youngest son, Valandil, he escaped with his life and he became the High King of Arnor. But he didn't claim the kingship of Gondor and the two kingdoms became separated at that point. So Gondor continued to be ruled by the heirs of Anarion and Arnor was ruled by the heirs of Isildur. And that's quite important that they kind of get separated in that way. So Isildur and Anarion, then they kind of, um, Isildur, all of his, uh, his line, then they go off um, in Arnor. That is the Northern Kingdom and it ends up kind of falling to ruin. That's where we get the, uh, the, the Dunedain. And then uh, Anarion, he's got the line where all the kings of Gondor come from. So all those big kings that we're going to hear about and what, these couple that we will hear about today, they come from Anarion's line. So um, seeing as Valandil and his heirs did not claim the throne of Gondor, the realms were split, but Arnor's ruler kept the title of High King, whereas the, uh, the ruler in the south was known as just King. So there was still a small distinction between King and High King, but anyway. And just a small other note from the Lord of the Rings fandom.com of what happened to Arnor. It says here, after 800 years of peace, High King Earendur died in the Third Age 861, and his three squabbling sons divided the realm into three kingdoms of Arthedain, Cardalan, and Rudar. The eldest son, uh, Amleth, his name was, claimed kingship over all Arnor, but was reduced to only ruling the region of Arthedain as his kingdom, while the other sons founded kingdoms in Cardalan and Rudar. Thereafter, the Dunedain of the north spent their strength in foolish, petty wars, sapping their strength while enemies gathered in the shadows. So another note on what happened to the Dunedain. They were these like great men in the north, and their realm, Arnor, was eventually split into three. The greatest of them was called Arthedain, and then there was loads of these like internal wars, civil wars, and basically it says here that they were just like kind of uh, petty wars, it calls them here. So mm. just something interesting there as well, like when you're kind of going... How did they just kind of fall apart? Well, that was one of the reasons. Yeah. So I like kept dividing, getting smaller and smaller. And um, yeah. yeah, well, that was it, it got to those small three. And then eventually just the whole thing gets taken over by someone that we'll see in a moment. We, I think you already know. But anyway, we know that Elendil perishes in the Battle of the Last Lions and we know that Isildur becomes king and Isildur is famous in the Lord of the Rings for being the one who didn't destroy the One Ring. But uh, we also know that Aragorn is a descendant of this family and heir to the King of Gondor. Uh, sorry, the Kingdom of Gondor and Arnor. But what is the relationship between Aragorn and Isildur and how does King Aenor fit into this whole story? And if the line was broken, how was it unbroken, I suppose? So... Any clue on that, Dave? Oh, that wasn't rhetorical. Um, well, I mean, what, I'm assuming what, you don't know. What, what so do you mean? Probably was. Uh, what do you mean? What's the relation? Is he not just a descendant? Like literally the son of a son of a son of a son of a son that comes from a sealed door? Um, well, th- it's never that it's never that simple in these types of things, I suppose. But anyway, no. yeah, it's a difficult question. So it's easier if I just right. kind of take the reins and explain, explain what's going on here. So we're going to have a bit of a story time here now. And as I told you, I'm going to talk to you about this guy called King Aaronor. So he was born mm-hmm. in 1928 of the Third Age in Gondor. And at that time, Gondor was recovering from a great plague. So they were not at their strongest point of power. The kingdom of Arnor had also now been split into its three provinces that we know of. And it was constantly under attack from the Witch King. And he had already taken control of the two of the provinces 
uh, sorry, two of the provinces, leaving only one remaining, which was Arthedain, which was the main one. And that was also the furthest north. It was also bordering uh, Angmar. So the witch king, basically, he was really trying to take over all of Arnor and he only had one small province left to, to, to take over. Now, if you've heard our podcast all about the Dead Marshes from a long time ago, you're going to hear a story that we mentioned in that podcast and if you haven't, you can go back and check that one out. We just have a shameless plug for our own podcast. That was a, a good episode. But um, so in that episode, we talk about, um, so in 1944 of the Third Age, I know that some people don't like dates, but I'm going to give them. When Aranor was 16 years old, Gondor gets attacked by both Easterlings and Haradrim at the same time. The Haradrim come from the south, uh, while these Wayne Riders, they were called basically just Easterlings on chariots, they attack from the east. And the king, who is known as King Underhor, takes an army and goes to battle against the Easterlings uh, while sending Eärnor's father, the general Eärnil II, to combat the Haradrim in the south. Now this guy, this general uh, Eärnil, Eärnor's father, he defeats the Haradrim and makes his way with his army back north uh, to find that the Easterlings have slaughtered all the Gondorian army, including the king and his sons, all dead and all in the marshes. And when he comes upon the Easterlings, um, Aranil battles with them and defeats them as well, leaving their bodies in the Dead Marshes as well, along with the Gondorians. And this body count was only adding to the great number of the dead who had already fallen there in the Battle of the Last Alliance. And that had happened almost 2,000 years prior, leaving men, elves, orcs, dwarves, etc., all dead in the marshes. And we kind of go into that in a bit more detail in another episode. So uh, that's why in the movies, when we see the dead marshes, there's so many just faces and dead things. Dead faces. Dead faces in the water. Um, oh, dead. Oh, rotten. <laughs> very good. Um, so who was this dude now? This uh, General Aernil II. He was the great-great-grandson of a Gondorian king called King Telumatar. So he was on a noble line, but he was never in line for the throne. He was like a distant, distant relations. Um, <laughs> so imagine like the royal family now, imagine like Prince Harry and Meghan Markle there. Imagine they have like children and then they have children and their like distant grandson eventually becomes the king because all of like William's line are just all slaughtered. And it's like, yeah. like oh, he was never really going to be in line. He was like 42nd in line to the throne. But that's kind of how this guy was related. So he was a descendant right. of Anarion. Remember, Anarion was the guy in Gondor, while Isildur was in Arnor. So after the king and his sons were killed in this battle in the marshes, there was a lot of debate with what to do with the empty throne, and another distant relative uh, made a claim for the throne, this guy called Arvidui. He was over. Uh, he was a king over in Arnor, um, and he wasn't the king of Arnor because Arnor had been split, so he was just a king in Arnor. I One suppose. of the three. One of the three, of yeah. The well, three well two of the three had already been taken, o- taken over as well, though. So he was the yeah. only one remaining. So he made a claim for the throne as he was a distant relative of Isildur, but the men refused. The men of Gondor appointed General Earnil, who was a descendant of Anarion, as the king instead, because again, Isildur and Anarion, this was split, had happened now. So they said he should be the king because he was noble line and uh, related to Anarion instead of Isildur. So now this is that Aranil, he was pure sound, like he was spot on. He was, and the text says that he was a quote, wise man and not arrogant. And he sent a message to Arvidui, the other guy who made the claim. And he announced that he had received the, he had received the, the, the crown, but he said, quote, I do not forget the royalty of Arnor, nor deny our kinship 
nor wish that the realms of Elendil should be estranged. I will send to your aid when you have need, as far as I am able. So he was spot on. Like, he was just a really nice guy. And mm. so now when his father, uh, sorry, excuse me, when Eärnor, remember his father was the king now, when he was 45 years old, the witch king was ready to make his final attack on Arnor and to take its last remaining province of Arthedain. And they sent a message to Gondor pleading for help from King Eärnil, who decided to send Eärnor, his son, with a huge fleet to rally against the witch king. However, it was too late and the witch king had already conquered Arthedain and killed the king before Eärnor arrived at the Grey Havens in Linden. So they took ships from Gondor all the way around and they arrived up at Linden. And, but the book says that when Eärnor arrived at the Grey Havens, there was joy and wonder from both men and elves at the size of the army he brought. However, there's also a line later speaking about the people in the north marveling at the army that says, quote, or so it seemed to the people of the north, but this was a small sending force of the whole might of Gondor. So nice. we're getting an idea of how mighty Gondor was as well. It's yeah. just a small sending fleet and everyone's like, oh, like all these elves and like all these people up there are like, oh my God, you're, this is insane. So that was cool. Also, we get this other new character. Well, not a new character, a character that we know, but he pops up. Then. So Círdan, he's now the leader of Linden because again, Gil-galad uh, is no longer the leader. He also dies in the battle of the last alliance. So Círdan gathers his own army of elves and they team up with Eärnor's army and they gather all the strength and they get ready to march on the north and on the Witch King who has taken up residence in an old city in Arthedain. Remember that Arthedain, this place is up near Angmar. So mm-hmm. this host of men and elves, they move, they move east through Arnor, just killing any orc armies and enemies who stood in the way. And before we go any further, we're just going to get a little note on Arnor. And it says in the appendix that Arnor was, quote, Arnor was a man like his father in valor, but not in wisdom. He was a man of strong body and hot mood, but he would take no wife, for his only pleasure was in fighting or in the exercise of arms. So that's just to get a little mm. note on his character. So Sounds like A&R was in the closet and he was not very wise. <laughs> <laughs> not very wise. He just, he was like, I don't want a wife because I just love fighting. So yeah, um, I love killing things. Yeah. So <laughs> now I'm going to get out my book and we're going to have a bit of a story time. So I'm going to read oh, to you guys nice. a little bit. So um, in his pride, sorry, we're speaking now here about where just after the whole armies together with Círdan and Eärnor, they were marching on the Witch King and they finally arrive at the place where they find that the Witch King is he's holding up in this little area in the north. And it says, talking about the Witch King, in his pride, he did not await the onset of his enemies in his stronghold, but went out to meet them, thinking to sweep them as others before into the loon. The loon was this river. But the host of the West came down on him and there was a great battle. The forces of Angmar were already giving way and retreating when the main body of the horsemen that had passed round the hills came down from the north and scattered them in a great rout. Then the witch king, with all that he could gather from the wreck, fled northwards, seeking his own land of Angmar. Before he could gain shelter of the Carndum, the cavalry of Gondor overtook him, with Eärnor riding at their head. At the same time, a force under Glorfindel, remember him, the elf lord, uh, came out of Rivendell, then so utterly was Angmar defeated that not a man nor an orc of that realm remained west of the mountains. So 
as I said, Círdan got his army of elves together. They joined this giant fleet of these Gondorians. And then suddenly Glorfindel comes out of Rivendell with another army as well. So that's like three armies together, all joined together. And they were taking on the Witch King. And so they fairly smashed them. And it says there that basically no orcs or any sort of evil were left west of the mountains. I love the way Tolkien does that all the time with with things uh, i i kind of expected you to say and there was never an orc in angmar again but i was like that that probably wouldn't make sense because angmar does have lots of evil further on the timeline i, I presume but um, uh, but he, he really, usually this does is, fi- this is basically we're going to see the end of angmar here pretty much right okay but like that's how he kind of finishes every sort of battle or any sort of sure thing. Like, yeah and there was never a whisper of hi- him talked about again or you know yeah there was never no, a mark yeah. to the west side of the misty mountains <laughs> ever again you're like really <laughs> yeah he just talks about different places as well that you like the the loon and karn doom as well you're like where the hell are these places you could just yeah. give me a simple answer but what anyway the I'll, loom the loom l- or the loon loon with an n loon loon so um like i'm going to continue on here and it says but it is said that when all was lost suddenly the witch king himself appeared black robed and black masked upon a black horse Fear fell upon all who beheld him, but he singled out the captain of Gondor for the fullness of his hatred, and with a terrible cry, he rode straight upon him. Aarnor would have withstood him, but his horse could not endure that onset, and it swerved and bore him far away before he could master it. So the witch king steps mm-hmm. out, all dressed up in black, charges at Aarnor and charges at the men. Everyone's terrified. And says Aarnor would have withstood him, meaning he would have at least stood his ground, not saying that he would have defeated him, but his horse just was too terrified. Um, so remember, it's the Witch King. Like It's like the dog that we see in the Fellowship of the Ring when he sees one of the ring wraiths just being absolutely terrified. Mm. So then the Witch King laughed, and none that heard it ever forgot the horror of that cry. But Glorfindel rode up then on his white horse, and in the midst of his laughter, the Witch King turned to flight and passed into the shadows. Eanor now rode back, but Glorfindel said, quote, do not pursue him. He will not return to this land. Far off yet is his doom, and not by the hand of man will he fall. These words were remembered, but Aenor was angry, desiring only to be avenged for his disgrace. So ended the evil realm of Angmar, and so did Aenor, captain of Gondor, earn the chief hatred of the witch king. But many years were still to pass before that was revealed. So there you go. That's like... Ooh. The start, the beginning of the prophecy. It's the beginning of the hatred of Aenor, uh, of the Witch King for Aenor, and vice versa. So, uh, Aenor, remember, he was a very proud man, and he saw this thing of like, uh, he it says he would have withstood him, but his horse ran away. But like, basically, Mm. what it looked like was he just fled, and he was terrified. So it looked like he was a coward. And he was, you know... Uh, you could always blame it on the horse then, whenever you're like... Yeah, oh, the horse! It was the yeah. horse! Oh, no! Yeah. I was trying to stop <laughs> It were my legs. My legs were terrified. <laughs> I wanted to fight you. So, but also, like, that is that the first time there's any mention of this kind of prophecy of where the Witch King says, no man can kill me? And we're I don't know if that's the first time. That. I don't know if that's the first time, but uh, it is interesting that we see that there as well, because we know that it says that no man, he will not be killed by man or whatever, so... Um, so it says there and not by the hand of man will he fall so yeah that's kind of cool yeah I always wonder like th- those things were uh, let's say Glorfindel was the first person to like predict that or it's almost like he saw the future and he's like oh it won't be a man uh, like technically it'll be a woman is that like what mm. he predicted or and then did the witch king like 
catch wind of this and be like, well, I know no man can kill me. So like you can just go into any battle and be like, well, no man can kill me. But it's actually because a specific person killed him. Like maybe if it was a man, you could say, well, no blonde haired man will ever kill the Witch King. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I do wonder about that kind of thing. And I wonder. So you're saying this isn't the first time. That it was I don't know. I don't, that's a good question. I, I I don't think so. I think it might have been predicted at, at another point before, but I'm not too sure. I, I don't have the answer mm. to that now. So that's another another topic for a different episode. For another, another tale. Yeah, another time. So um, I'm going to keep reading because I could talk to you guys, but I think if you actually read the text, it's going to be even more interesting to find out exactly what happens next. So then we find out that the Witch King escaping from the north, he came to Mordor. And there he gathered the other ringwraiths, uh, and it says of whom he was the chief. But it was not until 2000, the year 2000, that they issued from Mordor, and they laid siege to Minas Ithil. This they took in 2002, and captured the Palantir of the tower. And it says Minas Ithil became a place of fear, and was renamed Minas Morgul. So we spoke about that earlier, with Minas Ithil becomes Minas Morgul. Mm. So what does Minas Morgul mean again? Tower of what? Do you know? Do you remember? I forget. Oh, right, okay. Um, is it Tower of Death? I don't know. Morgul. Death or Dread or something like that. Um, yeah. Oh, is it Dread? Yeah. Could be. I don't know. Hmm. We'll have to check it now later on. You look it up there while I'm reading this. Yeah. Go so, ahead. Um, well, you should be reading and paying attention, I suppose. Um, I am paying attention. Okay, good. So, uh, now we heard that quote about Aenor earlier being uh, like his father in valor, but not in wisdom, and that he was strong and he didn't take a wife and his pleasure was in fighting. It also says that his prowess was such that none in Gondor could stand against him in those weapon sports in which he delighted, seeming rather like a champion than a king or captain. So he's just like unbelievable with swords and spears and stuff like that. And he's not really kingly in his more like knowledge and just that sort of way so mm. when Aenor received the crown in 2043 i think his father died at like the age of 160 or something like that and he receives the crown uh the king of minas morgul the witch king challenged him to single combat taunting him that he had not dared to stand before him in the battle of the north so he's kind of like just saying oh you were a coward you ran away mm. come on now you're the king you can come and face me one-on-one and it says that for that time mardil the steward restrained the wrath of the king so he had his steward and his steward like kind of talked some sense into him and was like look don't do it um and it says here minas arnor which had become the chief city of the realm since the days of king telmenar and the residence of the kings was now renamed minas tirith so osgiliath had now been left as the main place and now is minas arnor and then it became known as minas tirith and now then it says Aenor had held the crown only seven years when the Lord of Morgul repeated his challenge, taunting the king mm. that to the faint heart of his youth, he had now added the weakness of age. So he was like, all right, so we know you're a little bitch and that you're just like too scared to come. And now you're getting now you're old, old and weak. Yeah, he's just really getting at him. And it says here, then Mardil, the, the steward, could no longer restrain him. And he rode with a small escort of knights to the gate of Minas Morgul. None of that riding were ever heard of again. It was believed in Gondor that the faithless enemy had trapped the king and that he had died in torment in Minas Morgul. So there we go. It says, now this is believed in Gondor. We don't really know. It says it's believed in Gondor that the faithless enemy had trapped the king. So they kind of believe that he was, you know, um, 
kind of set upon by maybe the Witch King and other people. He was um, besieged, I suppose, and all that kind of stuff. Mm. Um, and it also goes on to say, but since there were no witnesses of his death, Mardil, the good steward, ruled Gondor in his name for many years. Meaning that, that they nice. didn't know if he had died or if he was still alive. So instead of passing the king, the king on, well, the, the kingship onto another person and looking for a new king, they said, okay, well, the steward, you can take charge for the moment in his name. So he ruled yeah. in his stead. The acting king, kind of like the, the hand of the king just taken over while the king is absent. Sure, sure. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Exactly like that. And then, so nearly finished this reading part, but it says the descendants of the king had become few. Their numbers had greatly diminished uh, and kings had become jealous and watchful of those near akin. Often those of whom suspicion fell had fled to Umbar and there joined the rebels while others had renounced their lineage and taken wives not of Numenorean blood. So lots of people that were noble or of noble lines, they were worried that like the kings that were becoming jealous of people taking their rule, they were like having people killed. Some people were fleeing the city and going to Umbar, which we hear of in the Lord of the Rings. We hear of the mm-hmm. the, the, corsairs the Corsairs of Umbar, those black sails. Um, that was a city that there's a huge history of like um, a war between there. The people like Gondor takes over Umbar, then it gets recaptured and all this kind of stuff. So there were lots of people going there, fleeing to Umbar and joining the rebels, it says. Um, and it says, so it was that no claimant to the crown could be found who was of pure blood or whose claim would allow. Um, and therefore, the steward continued to rule Gondor, and the crown of Elendil lay in the lap of the king Eärnil in the house of the dead where Eärnor had left it. So, Eärnor, before he left and went to battle with the witch king, he took his crown and he placed it on the lap of his father in the houses of the dead, and that's where it, that's where it remained until Aragorn picks it up uh, like a thousand years later. So, the crown, Is the crown. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, right, so cool. um that's what happened to that. So that's basically it there. That's uh we don't even really know what happened behind these closed doors when the when he went to challenge the Witch King. So it's interesting to speculate about that as well. So what do you think? Do you think that the Witch King just ambushed him and killed him quickly? Do you think maybe they took him prisoner and taunted him taunted him or tortured him and maybe even experimented on him and tried to turn him into a wraith or like the mouth of Sauron or, or something like that, you know, or maybe a mute. Or do you think that maybe the Witch King fought him in single combat, like uh, honorably? And he, like, I mean, he probably had zero chance of losing anyway. And maybe he thought, maybe, you know, if you're the Witch King, it might be cool to just dishonor this king even more by beating him fair and square. So what's your, yeah. what's your opinions on that? What do you think he would have done? I think he would be the type to actually, I don't think he would have faced him one-on-one. I think he would have been more likely to, try and embarrass and disgrace and dishonor him and like capture him and by the way i looked up there the the morgul means sorcery so tower of sorcery is what Mm. miss morgul is so yeah like you said there maybe he experimented on him so maybe this is another reason why it has this name maybe the witch king was performing experiments on noble men of gondor and what what more noble man than the king of gondor at the time so could have been cool to try and who knows? Maybe he is one of the wraiths. We don't. No, it couldn't be. He could be. No, it could be. be. Why not? Could he be? Because <laughs> they're because they're he's like a king. I mean, yeah, we know that most wraiths are are kings. Four of them are Numenorians, right? Mm, three of them are Numenorians. Three three of them are Numenorians, and we don't really know much about the others apart from there's an Easterling and there's we know there's, king, um, yeah we only know that there is an Easterling 
and and the other the, the other is one. It doesn't say yeah. they're kings. It only it's only in Peter Jackson's film that says that. No, but they're it says kings. that they're so they're, they're lords. It says that kings. It's it basically says that they're either kind of uh, kings or sort of witches or people that like had. Um, I know they they had power anyway in their normal lives. They were in positions of power, so they could have been mm. you know like, uh, as you said, I think lords. It says lords though. Yeah. Who knows? We spoke about this in our episode on the the on the ring rates and on the nine oh, rings no, recently, good, yeah. and I think I can't remember. I think there were three words used, maybe like lords, kings, and witches, or something like that, or like I don't know, mages. But maybe what's the what's the word that you use? Mage, yeah, yeah, mage would be like a a wizard kind of type thing. Mm, yeah, um, yeah, but I suppose wizards in Tolkien's world are Istari, and they would have to be Meyer. So maybe they have like mages that are just kind of like regular men with with power mm. um but yeah anyways i do think that i don't know i'd like to know more about the witch king maybe it'd be cool to get to see an origin story or a prequel movie of him and oh, so I, I know like it wouldn't be canonical really at all but it'd just be cool to see someone's vision of him would he have been like the honorable character to challenge someone to a duel and beat them fair and square or would he be someone to trick the king of Gondor and like capture him and like have him tortured and bet and mutilated. And who knows? He could still be in Minas Morgul to this day, being kept alive by a bunch yeah, of by something people. unnatural. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Long life and unnatural. Yeah, yeah. No, but so, it's it's cool. Like I mean, and that would be so class to see if we got to see like a, a I don't know some sort of a short movie or mini series or something about the Witch King off gallivanting around and you know just doing experiments on uh, some of his kings he's caught or just different <laughs> noble men around the areas. He's like, oh, I've ensnared a new one. I'm going to carry out some experiments on him. And uh, I think it's cool as well that he just uses these different things to taunt the king. He's like, oh, you're a coward. And now you're getting old. And these are things that were really, I mean, we heard about the character of this guy, uh, Arnor, that he was very proud and maybe he didn't have the, the like, the knowledge and kind of the, the, the wisdom, I don't know, the, the wisdom, I suppose, of his father. And he was just, he was mainly just amazing as a fighter. And he was, you know, the, it says that none could stand with him in Middle Earth. Basically, he was the best fighter. He was just an absolute badass. And mm. so it's kind of like he also knew how to get at him because apart from that, these men, I mean, remember, these are people that come from Numenorians, And we know that the Numenorians, one of the things that really started to worry them was, old age and the fear of death and that's one of the reasons why Numenor gets destroyed because they're trying to cheat death really they're trying mm-hmm. to you know take on the Valar and say look we have the right to go live in the undying lands because they mistakenly thought that if they went to live there they would be undying instead of it just being that's the home of where the people that are undying live so um there was a lot of fear amongst the Numenorians and then thus the Gondorians and that whole noble line of this uh, getting older and death. And we'll see that, I'm sure, in the future series of the, sorry, future seasons of the Rings of Power series with uh, Farazhan. I'm sure that's what we'll get to see play out, that he's going to start being terrified of getting old and dying and losing his powers, losing his weak, losing his uh, his strengths and his skills. So um, it was cool that the Witch King used that as his like method <laughs> to taunt him as well. He'd be like, oh, now you're still a coward and now you're even older and weaker. And he's like, oh, I mean, I don't know. So cunning, yeah. the Witch King. Get, gets him right right in his bloodline. He's like, no, my family. But also he, 
I think I think when when the Numenorians, the ones that managed to escape and fled to Middle Earth, I feel like they don't fear death as much as the Numenorians because they're all like you know into battles and war and stuff, and death mm. is just like a another another way or another part of life, I suppose. Uh, actually, have you ever? I've talked to you about the the game I used to have, the Battle for Middle Earth, and then Battle for Middle Earth Two. But there was an expansion pack for the second one called The Rise of Angmar, and that was really mm. cool. And you get to you get to play in Angmar, and you get to do you get to fight the Witch King or play as the Witch King? It's been so long since I played it, but uh, yeah, that was really cool. That's where I first got to learn some of the histories about the the North of Middle Earth, and um, yeah, getting to see some extra characters there. I think Class. you get to play as the Barrow Downs as well, or as the Barrow Whites. Barrow Whites, yeah. And um, Dead, yeah, I I've never played those part. games. I really need to. Oh, they're so good. Give them. A it's goal. like Age Vampires for Lord of the Rings, so it's, yeah, it's good. It's good stuff. That sounds yeah. deadly. I still have to complete the fucking what's called the one that you gave me, Rise um, of Mordor, or what's it called, Shadow yeah. of Mordor, Shadow of Mordor, or Shadow of, of War Mordor. and Shadow of Mordor. Yeah, mm, you've the first yeah. one, don't you? I've Shadow of Mordor. Mordor. Yeah, mm, I do. Yeah, I, 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 I nearly finished it ages ago, and then I kind of just stopped playing. And uh, yeah, that's that's that day. That's yeah. day that. <laughs> I play. I haven't played PlayStation. I I actually played FIFA there maybe two days ago for the first time in. It's like a year. Like I I got. I remember playing it back when I started college, and I literally haven't touched it since. And I was like, oh, this feels so weird. And also, mm. I took out both controls, and what the left analog on the control was all like wet and sticky and i was like what the hell so then i got the other one and i was like this one's also wet and sticky so something must have happened during the heat wave that the left controller on like every analog stick just like melted or something oh wow so yeah yeah it was really weird side note well there you go side note. there you have it that's what the listeners come to hear they're like oh i had to get through all that lord of the rings bollocks just to hear about this my what well, i really anyone else have for. this problem i really i really gave it for the the playstation control the Story. wet and sticky situation, yeah. Mm. Yeah, so uh, yeah, if anybody else had a situation like that with their left analog uh, on their PlayStation controller, please get in touch mm. and tell Dave that it's okay. It happens to them too. Yeah. And to on know. that bombshell... <laughs> uh, <laughs> on that bombshell, leave a like and subscribe. <laughs> Kings made tombs more splendid than the houses of the living and counted the old names of their descent dearer than the names of their sons. Childless lords sat in aged halls, musing on heraldry, or in high cold towers asking questions of the stars. And so the people of Gondor fell into ruin. The line of kings failed. The white tree withered. The rule of Gondor was given over to lesser men. So that's it, guys. Uh, that'll do it for another episode of the Council of Elrond. And we really enjoyed going through this story in the appendices about a lesser known character from the Lord of the Rings. And also looking at the line of the kings of old. And we hope you had a laugh or two along the way and maybe learn something interesting. Uh, you never know. Uh, Dave's shaking his head. Probably not. Oh, no, he's <laughs> nodding. Okay, good. Um, and there's so much more. There's so much more that I just couldn't get into today because just we don't have the time. Don't have time. So mm-hmm. please get in touch and let us know if we missed out on anything that you would have included or if you just want to say hello. 
And we'd really love to hear from you. So on any of our social medias, you can get in touch with us. You can find all of those in our podcast description or in the uh, section below in YouTube. And you can also find there any links to support us. You can buy us a coffee or you can become a member of our Patreon. And that's really the best way to support us. Um, you can also watch or listen to us anywhere that you get your podcasts or on YouTube. And don't forget to please leave a like and subscribe there and leave us a comment. Uh, tell us what you think about everything or just tell us how you're feeling. And we'd love, to, we'd love to hear about you. So a big thank you to our members there already and a huge shout out to Jack Knightley. So that's it for this week, guys. We'll see you next time. Goodbye.